free agents we should hope to not see land in other teams in the AFC East, and a debrief from defensive coordinator Vic Fangio's South Florida media press conference here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. Your team every day here on the Locked On Network. We don't just say it, we live it. want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started if you're unfamiliar with me. If you're new to the show... Welcome. First and foremost, I'm a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan and uh, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is the continuation of AFC East week here on the show. Very happy to share. Next week is obviously NFL Combine window. And then we have a week after that in which we're going to be working our way through my blueprint for a Miami Dolphins offseason and it's free agency it's contracts it's draft picks it's trades in and out for the dolphins all of those things are things that we are going to explore and it finishes with a uh, way 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 too early mock 53 man roster for what this roster could look like if i were pulling strings and making decisions based on how i understand the team and the salary cap and the draft and uh, very excited for that project in the coming week. So as we finish AFC East week, we get ready for NFL Combine week, and the week after that, before the Lee Counter Year opens, hit subscribe, follow along with us. we got a lot of great content coming, your team, every day here on the Lockdown Network. But before we get into uh, doomsday free agent pairings with the other teams in the AFC East that we as Dolphins fans uh, should be rooting to not see materialize, whether they're imminent or not imminent, uh, that regardless, we have to talk about the Vic Fangio presser from earlier this week because there were a couple observations that I had that I, I uh, really enjoyed hearing from Coach Fangio in regard to. And uh, one of the first ones that came up was um, uh, what he took away from the Dolphins defense and what stood out. And the first thing that he said was that there's some good young talent here. Good young talent. He's focused, his focus in that answer was around a nucleus of players that you expect to be, uh, Vic Fangio alluded later in this press conference, if they'll have him 10 years, he, he might coach another 10 years. Each one of the guys that he mentioned are guys that are, are viable players who could play another 10 years in the NFL. Here was the direct quote from Vic Fangio. I think there's some good young talent there. Obviously, just from two years ago in the draft with Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland, those are two really good players that I really liked in the draft. Bradley Chubb is here, who obviously I know about, and several other guys. Christian Wilkins is here, another guy I liked in the draft. Christian's greatest honor is the Bill Campbell Award Trophy, which is the academic Heisman. Bill Campbell was a good friend of mine, so when I see him, I always think of that. Uh, there's a good nucleus of players here. For me to give you a great answer schematically, I'd be stretching it. And that's it's fair, and what the Dolphins are going to do uh, has some vague parallels to what they have done. But schematically, it's not really what it's all about anyway. It, it is about the talent. And you think about this Dolphins defense, and uh, 
Uh, he mentioned the young nucleus. He didn't mention Cater Co, who was a UDFA uh, from this past year, but that's another young talent uh, that the Dolphins have that you feel really good about. And I know when we did the salary cap recap for the Dolphins, we did the entire defensive uh, nucleus of talent plus a handful of, of rookie contract players on the offensive side of the ball, and their percentage of the salary cap was equal to Tyree Kills alone. The young nucleus of talent that the Dolphins have defensively is absolutely a selling point. I'm glad that it's something that Vic Fangio mentioned when he was assessing what stood out to him. Uh, one thing we have not really spoke about here on the show as well throughout the course of this week, that is news that came through this week, was Ronaldo Hill uh, leaving the Chargers as the defensive coordinator to come be the passing game coordinator on the defensive side of the ball for the Dolphins. Vic uh, Fangio was asked about Ronaldo Hill, and he said, Ronaldo is a good coach, really talented coach that has a bright future in the NFL. He worked with us for two years in Denver, so his familiarity with me and the system and what we do was important to me, but regardless of that, just his ability to be a great coach is what attracted me to him, and he deferred to why Ronaldo chose to leave the Chargers to come to Miami and said, I'll let you ask Ronaldo that at some point. Uh, but that's obviously an exciting hire uh, for a coach who comes with the reputation that Ronaldo does and, and has familiarity with this system and this scheme and worked under uh, Brandon Staley. And Brandon Staley is obviously schemed and in, 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 um, familiar and runs a lot of the same kinds of concepts with zone match and uh, that's a really big win for the Dolphins. So for Vic Fangio uh, to get that coach to leave a, a good job, that Chargers defense has a lot of talent too. It's a really good job and a, a well, very well-respected defensive mind. And Brandon Staley is the head coach. You know, this, you can make an argument. You know, transitioning uh, from under Brandon Staley might set him up for an opportunity to springboard uh, and move forward with a, a bigger platform for a bigger coaching opportunity moving forward. But uh, that, that's ultimately something that uh, the Dolphins um, will get to enjoy for however long Ronaldo Hill is here. And that's, that's a great ad for us. Uh, he was asked about Bradley Chubb. And obviously Bradley Chubb is a polarizing player for a lot of Dolphins fans because he came with the price tag that he did. And he came and he was supposed to provide a certain thing for the defense. And while he made a tangible impact. We did the Dolphins pass rush study and we talked about it. And the Dolphins uh, pressured at like a 16% higher rate on all of their defensive snaps against the pass when Bradley Chubb was on the field versus when he was off the field. It was like 60% to 44%. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, he worked through uh, some injuries towards the end of the season, and I think expectations, especially when you foil it with a trade like Miami made for Tyreek Hill in the same calendar year, you have a certain expectation of what you're going to get. And the impact that Bradley Chubb brought, while tangible and very clearly pointed to by evidence, uh, didn't put the Dolphins over the top to the degree in the, which a lot of Dolphins fans probably expected it to. So Vic had this to say about Bradley Chubb. In the three years, uh, Bradley and I talked about this the other day when he was here. The three years that I was with him in Denver, he was the victim of some injuries. I believe he got hurt in the fourth game of his first year I was there and was out for the season. Then he came back his second year. It took him about four or five games to get in the groove coming out of the injury. Then he had a really good year. And then he basically missed, it wouldn't say it statistically, but he missed most of my last year because he had an ankle injury that kept him out. And when he came back, he wasn't himself and still recovering. He had two ankle injuries. So I'm anxious to get him rolling, keep him healthy, and see what Bradley Chubb 
can do when he is Bradley Chubb that we all know he is capable of being. I really feel like the, the Bradley Chubb dynamic, Bradley Chubb can be one of the big winners of the Vic Fangio addition to this defense, in my mind, because there is a familiarity there. You know what he looks like in that system, and that's the player that you're angling to get. Of course, the challenge is just making sure that um, that he can stay healthy. Vic had a lot of great comments. Uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it. The last one that I would leave you with was, did you have any background with the Dolphins at all before taking the job as the defensive coordinator? Vic's answer was no, other than some of you are old enough to remember when the Dolphins were in the AFC East as a five-team division, and I was with the Colts for a couple years. Dan Marino talked to, and I talked about one of those games just last week, obviously. When you think about the Dolphins, you think about Don Shula, Dan Marino, the heyday in the 70s, the 17-0 season. The Dolphins are one of those franchises that the NFL is a better league when the Dolphins are relevant and in the hunt, and hopefully we can get it back to that. Amen, Vic. Very well said. Excited for Fangio uh, to put his imprint all over this Miami Dolphins defense and uh, lots of exploration coming. We obviously did the deep dive into the scheme last week on Thursday, uh, but uh, lots of exploration into what that might look like from a player's perspective and stuff in the weeks to come. But here today for the rest of the show, we're looking at free agency, looking for free agents that we are really should be hoping to see sign elsewhere other than other spots in the AFC East that are not the Dolphins because they could really add a different dynamic to the Dolphins' rivals in the AFC East that you're really pulling to not see uh, as a team that is hoping to get over the hump, hoping to potentially win the division and have home playoff games. Uh, there's obviously a lot at stake, and we're going to talk about that next on the show, but not before we talk to you about our new sports book partner that we are very excited about here on the Locked On Network. It is the midway point of the NBA season. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and everything in between. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at payouts with same-game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I have what is effectively a tiered free agency list that is designed to signify the caliber of free agents that are available at each position in the NFL. And it is set up like a horizontal draft board is the way that it's set up. If you're not familiar with the horizontal draft board, each vertical column is a position group. So your first column would be quarterbacks. Second column would be running backs and then wide receivers, tight end slash fullbacks, offensive tackles, guards, centers, so on and so forth. Both sides of the ball horizontal columns and then each row is a tier tier one the best of the best tier two quality starters tier three adequate starters tier four quality depth so on and so forth and it breaks the whole thing down and in laying information out in this way and this is how teams set up their draft boards it very clearly gives you a visible visible representation at in real time 
where all of the value spots are, if there is a clear and obvious best player available, uh, where there's uh, voids in talent, where you might, if you start to see a run happen in a certain position group, uh, you can kind of get a feel for uh, this thing could snowball on you and you might be left without a player that you feel can contribute to your team that year. Um, It's a very helpful tool, very helpful visual tool. So if you're not familiar, Google horizontal draft boards. Uh, you get a chance to see um, a couple NFL teams and, and how they set them up. But it's this very cool visible representation. And I wanted to do it for free agency with the blueprint uh, subject that we're doing here with Locked On Dolphins over the next couple of weeks uh, that finishes with this 53-man roster projection because I wanted to see, okay, where's the elite talent? And the elite talent, in my mind, exists on the defensive side of the ball. I think there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven free agents. I have 10 total tier one, like blue chip type players that are scheduled at this point to be free agents. And not all of them will hit free agency. That's an important note. But I have 10, seven of them are on the defensive side of the ball. Lamar Jackson, quarterback. Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, running backs. No wide receivers, no tight ends, no offensive tackles, no interior offensive linemen, no pass rushers. Here's what the pass rusher situation looks like, by the way. I don't have a single pass rusher in Tier 1 or Tier 2 that's scheduled to hit free agency. The top guys are Jadavion Clowney, Kyle Van Noy, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Samson Ebukam. Yannick Ngakwe, Dewan Smoot, Robert Quinn, Marcus Davenport. Like these are guys that are probably adequate starters at best or aging veterans that are rotational guys only. It's a bad year to need an edge rusher if you need a starter. Dolphins are in good shape. Went out and got Bradley Chubb. Locked him in. A little bit of foresight for the market there. I think that's something that should probably be applauded. Now, the cost is the cost, and the cost is the debate, and so on and so forth, but I'm here for it. On the interior defensive line, you have Dalvin Tomlinson, Minnesota, Javon Hargrave, Philadelphia, Deron Payne, Washington. Linebacker, you have Levante David from Tampa Bay and Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo, who we've obviously discussed. Uh, it's corner. I don't have any franchise cornerstone. I have James Bradbury and Patrick Peterson, who I have as quality starters, and then a couple nickel guys, and Cameron Sutton and Byron Murphy is the top. And, and those are quality starters for me. But this, so that makes them tier two, not tier one. And then I have Jesse Bates and Jordan Poyer at safety. Bates is a younger player. Poyer is an older player. But the expectation is those guys are, are going to be significant top of market dollar kind of guys. Then I have like Jimmy Ward, Von Bell, and Chauncey Garner-Johnson in tier two. And tier three is Adrian Amos, Nasir Adderley, Juan Thornhill, uh, a lot of names that are, are recognizable here because I've acknowledged I would rather probably go after one of those guys as compared to giving a top of market contract either Bates or Poyer to be your your effectively your second slash third safety, depending on how you break out Brandon Jones and his recovery from an injury. So three blue chip offensive free agents, Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. You got five at interior defensive line and linebacker, box defenders. Great. We're going to spend a lot of time focused on where the Dolphins pick and choose talent from here. 
And of course, as we get closer to free agency, some guys will resign contracts. This list will change, but it's only going to get worse from here. It's only going to get to be a smaller list because this is everybody that's scheduled to be a free agent at this point in time. And what gets a little scary about that is there's already some groups that are scarce. But you've identified a handful of these elite players that are scheduled to hit free agency. We, should, we as Dolphins fans should be rooting to see both Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds sign somewhere else. Whether or not they do, well, we'll find out in the next month. But you should root to see those guys leave. If I think about the teams in question, I absolutely don't want to see the Bills splurge and go out and get a running back like Saquon Parkley to put in the backfield with that offense, with the passing game being what it is. But their point of emphasis, one of their points of emphasis, is going to be getting a better supporting cast for Josh Allen offensively. You got to hope that that team has certain levels of principles and doesn't want to pay Saquon Barkley that big money contract. That for me is the perfect example of exactly what this exercise is all about. Identifying blue chip free agents and nightmare scenarios for teams in the East that would create big problems for the Dolphins. Dolphins already have a hard time as things currently are with the current iteration of the roster covering backs out of the backfields and tight ends. You put Saquon Barkley on the field with Josh Allen, can't happen. <laughs> Just going to be honest, it can happen. But that's, that's the example. And I don't think all of the players that I'm going to acknowledge here are players who are um, blue chip, tier one, top of the top. There's some tier two players in here that I certainly think you'd be apprehensive and, and hesitant to see uh, get their name called. That includes Derek Carr. It doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. You as a Dolphins fan should want to see the Jets strike out on this big quarterback market. You've got three perceived quarterbacks that could be available, two of them probably by trade. Aaron Rodgers, if he decides to play and decides he's done with the Packers, Lamar Jackson expected to get the franchise tag. The Ravens are putting off notes that like they want to get him back. But whether or not they actually do, that's a different story. And Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the lesser of the three evils here versus two elite players at the position and Lamar Jackson and, and Aaron Rodgers. But it, it's less about what the Jets what that player would bring to the Jets. And it's more just about the Jets being the team that would be in the shoes that they currently sit. You got a lot of young talent, but you as the Dolphins, if you're looking to get back into the playoffs next season and you're looking to potentially win this division and have home playoff games, every time that the teams that you have to face twice a year have the butt tag on the elevator pitch, one sentence synopsis of who they are as a team, it's a good thing for you. For example, the Dolphins are the Dolphins are loaded with talent, but durability of their key playmakers will define their season. Okay, that's fair. But at least there's a heads and tails to that comment as compared to the Jets have a lot of young talent and the Jets play great defense, but they don't have a quarterback. We should want to live in the world where the Jets don't have a quarterback for another year. 
Now, there's potential long-term ramifications of them swinging for Aaron Rodgers and trading 13 and a future first-round pick and the financial implications of that. You think the Dolphins' salary cap situation is intimidating right now, and it can be, but it's, it's workable, and we'll talk about that more. The Jets bringing in Aaron Rodgers and giving up two first-round picks to do it in a make-or-break season for that coaching staff there's some long-term ramifications for that, but that does set the Jets up well to be a double-digit win team next year. So we should root objectively for that to not happen. So quarterback, Jets, trade or free agency, Saquon Barkley, Buffalo Bills. I think those are the two ones that we've established here. And I have a couple of the names. Uh, one that's a player trade. I know that kind of gets away from the spirit of the free agency discussion we had at the top, but I want to finish with a couple more names for you here on Locked on Dolphins. DeAndre Hopkins, probably going to be available via trade this offseason. He's not a scheduled free agent. Uh, the free agency group at wide receiver is a sorry state of affairs, by the way. Michael Thomas's contract is scheduled to void um, of the Saints. He's got like a $50 million dead cap hit or, or, or void year scheduled because they've restructured that contract so many times. He's the only Tier 1 or Tier 2 player, and he's been injured a lot. You got like Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, who is a New England Patriots player already. Are they going to pay him that kind of money to bring him back and then bring somebody else in? I don't know. And then it's like DJ Chark, Miko Hardman, Sterling Shepard, Alan Lazar, Jarvis Landry, Marvin Jones, Darius Slate. It's, it's, it's a tough group. It's a good year to have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell as well. Um, but DeAndre Hopkins with Arizona, he missed some time at the beginning of the year with a suspension. Didn't really assimilate well into the offense once he got back. They kind of force-fed him volume, but it just won the same. The big question is whether or not DeAndre Hopkins would want to go play for the New England Patriots, who now have Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator, when Bill O'Brien was the head coach of the Texans, who traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals in the first place for a bag of chips. We should certainly hope that DeAndre Hopkins says, you know what, hard pass on playing for Bill again. Bill O'Brien. This would be the first time with Belichick. But there are some other players for the Patriots uh, that you would certainly love to, to see them not land. And, and I, I think of the, and the Patriots are, are the team that has the money this offseason. They are, they are readily available with salary cap space to go get anyone without having to make any changes to any existing contracts. They can go get whoever they want. They can go get, go get whoever they want. Well, you think about what this team does and doesn't have, and they have a couple of tight ends on the roster. They need pass catchers. They're not going to find a lot of help there. That's the trade. Uh, offensive tackle. I would hate to see Orlando Brown Jr. go to the Patriots. I think stylistically he's probably a pretty good fit. Uh, Isaiah wins an expiring contract. Trent Brown's played both sides of the line for the Patriots. So there, there's a world in which Orlando Brown Jr. could sign there, get a big money contract, and be the left tackle. I would hate to see that because that's 
That's a good power road grading offensive lineman for an, for an offense whose best concepts in the running game are gap concepts with Ramondre Stevenson running behind him. I think about the Jets and or I think about the Patriots and and potentially Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, I don't know how much of a true fit he is. You know, Edmonds has lived in light box counts. The Patriots are a very heavy personnel group. They love to get speed on the field with their safeties. Uh, but they, they the whole discussion that we had with the Patriots and their roster construction is they need math changers. Well, who are the math changers in this free agent class? I, I, I do think Tremaine Edmonds exists as a math changer. Uh, I think Javon Hargrave in the middle of the defense exists as a, a math changer. Him at defensive tackle, pairing him with Christian Barmore would create a lot of problems for effectively every offensive line out there. And Hargrave's scheme diverse. He's alignment diverse. He can line up in a one. He can line up in a three. He can line up uh, straight in the gap and shoot the gap. He can line up on the nose. He had 10 plus sacks last year. That's a player you really shouldn't want to see the Patriots be able to successfully go out and get as well. I don't know that that's necessarily eminent and, and the Patriots are more of a gap control system. So I don't think that, that uh, maximizes the market that Javon Hargrave would have for an NFL team, but he certainly got the diverse enough skill set to be able to go out and do it. So I think those are the names that pop for me uh, for the Patriots uh, as well. Now you don't want to see um, any of these other impactful DBs coming to this defense or coming into the defenses in the AFC East either. If, if the Bills transition away from Jordan, uh, Jordan Poyer, it opens up a significant amount of space. Now, Locked On Bills host and, and my good friend Joe Marino would tell you that um, Sean McDermott has had a lot of success historically maximizing less dynamic, less high-value players at the safety position. I hope they go that way. I hope you go get a, a day two or day early day three defensive back to step in and, and step into the shoes of Jordan Poyer. That sounds great for Miami, even if it ends up being a successful venture for the Bills. And the Bills have to make some financial decisions in the ways that the Jets might not have to, but they might not be able to if they go out and get a big-time quarterback and what the Patriots are able to do. The Dolphins, um, I don't want to do another show before another show, but I have been working on this blueprint and trying to kind of make sound decisions for what kinds of players the Dolphins can attract. And I'll leave you with this as my parting thought for the day before we get uh, Power of the Pod is, is making its triumphant return to the show tomorrow to close the week down. Miami's considerations for free agency this year uh, are, are going to be very firmly tied to not just 2023, but also the 2024 salary cap outlook. Now, with just even with restructures from this year, you're looking at, I, I currently have a list of 33 names under contract for 2020. Four with my most recent edition of the blueprint for the offseason with free agency and a mock draft that has the Dolphins $35 million in cap space. And that is most notably before you make whatever decision you're going to make with Tua Tungvalu's contract. Fifth year option, $23 million. Okay, well now you're down to 12. And then you would have to do the restructures again and you can get to about 25, 28. And these are rough numbers. 
Uh, obviously, there's a lot of, of finalizing of numbers that has to change, but um, going crazy this year is an option, but at what expense of young players for 2024, 2025? And this is not just a one-year window that the Dolphins have, so this is the needle that they're going to have to thread. And we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks here on the show, so hit subscribe, keep it locked in. Right here on Locked On Dolphins, hope you guys appreciated today's content. I hope you enjoyed the show. Come on back, see us again tomorrow for Power to the Pod. Fins up and keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins.